This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, Big Giant, good morning again. Great to have you folks here today, and, and today we launch a new series. Now, I, as many of you know, you know, I do weddings. I'll be referencing a, a wonderful wedding I had this weekend a couple of times during the service. And my first reference is this. So we do the rehearsal, and then the next day, do the service, and this, this very little boy, very little guy, uh, comes up to me, and he, he, he recognizes me. He goes, oh, you're the guy who reads from that book. Isn't that good? I thought, what a great job description. That's it right there. I'm the guy who reads from the book. And that's what we're going to be doing over these next three weeks. You know, every summer, because we have a smaller format, it's nice to actually take a little bit of a deep dive and to take a look at what does this book called the Bible, what does it really have to offer us today? And can we look at one particular book of the Bible and, and kind of do a deeper dive there? Now, important to say, like with the Bible, a couple of things. One is, the Bible is not a history book. It's also not a constitution. I think we have to approach it as a a library of different segments, a beautiful sort of surface level of what it means, some of which is really hard to understand, and an even more beautiful poetic sense that's right underneath those words. And we have to approach it, and I say this with a little bit of caution, I don't want to overstate it, but almost like a math book. The point of this is to offer us challenges where we get to think about stuff, we get to wonder about stuff, we get to argue and debate and communicate and and agree, we get to do all these things around this book called the Bible. Martha Graham, the angels of God, Wrestles is such a good quote. The angels of God wrestled and grew strong. They chose and they acted. And I think that's what the Bible is. It kind of is inviting us into a a place where we can actually wrestle with life. Not always seeing like the the perfect, clear-cut answers. That's that's one of the reasons why when when somebody comes to me with a problem, I, I, I tend not to say, well, just read this line in the Bible and it will answer all your questions. I wish it were that easy. What it will give you, it'll give you thoughts, it'll give you perspective, it'll give you a means to navigate And as part of it, it always comes down to the ultimate test, which is when we look at how Christ lived, does it match up? You know, all that idea that the Bible comes into that, like how Christ lived, can we model that as best we can, everything pointing that direction. So again, we're going to be looking at Ephesians. It's a very, very short book. It's six chapters. That's why I picked it so you can read it. And this is the way you can read it, if I were to be so bold as to recommend. Ephesians, you could read it all in about half an hour. But if you want to start reading it as part of this series, simple, simple logopraxis approach. Say a prayer. Read one chapter. Close with a prayer. See what it tells you. That simple. Now, there's parts of it, folks, that are very dated, you know, again, this, this particular book we're looking at was written over 2,000 years ago. So, of course, there's going to be parts in there where he references slavery and, and how women shouldn't be able to speak in church. You know, those kinds of things that, that go way back to a history that thankfully we've moved past. 
And there's also a great deal of beauty in these books as well. A great deal of beauty. Now, the way this works, folks, you know, the background to this book called Ephesians. After Christ died, he had a group of 12 disciples who started spreading the church. And again, I want to be really clear. It's interesting. It was not a big triumphant, like all of a sudden explosive, explosive growth. It's not like there was a YouTube video that went viral. It's not how it worked. It grew very slowly. Person to person to person. Their central act of worship was communion. Literally, they, for those of you who are aware of what communion is, sharing bread and wine, they literally would celebrate that every night. Celebrating communion as their community grew and grew and grew. And eventually, what happens is this man by the name of Paul, who originally was named Saul, Paul originally, right after Christ's death, he actually was in charge of persecuting Christians. And he admits to it, and it's in the Bible. He actually even was part of like some extreme punishments of Christians. You know, literally people put to death for their beliefs. And he was part of that. Like he was one of the bad guys. And then he has this big epiphany on the road to Damascus where he sees life in a totally different way and he gives his life, he goes from giving his life to fighting this cause to giving his life fighting for this cause. Pretty amazing transformation. And what he does is he travels all around the world and he travels to these small little church centers that are trying to get going. And as they're trying to grow, the Roman Empire is pressing in. People are dying. People are being persecuted. They're pressing in. And he writes these letters. And that's what Ephesians is. It's a letter to a group of people who have started a church and they're trying to figure it out. Can you see why I like these for the summer? (laughs) Good stuff. Again, some of it dated. And the dated stuff as you're reading it, just go, that's old stuff. But I think if you pray before you read and you pray after, you'll see some lines that just pop for you. It'll really, really kind of resonate. And it's pretty amazing, folks. I I can't belabor the point, but I will belabor it. It's written 2,000 years ago. And some of the stuff in here is so crazy loving, so crazy different, such a wildly different way to see the world that it really is shocking to me. (laughs) You know, again, something this old that has this much love and grace in it. I mean, love love is the number one word used in Ephesians, which is interesting in and of itself. Now, the question becomes, again, like, well, well, if we read this, what is the problem we're trying to solve? And I like Henry Nouwen's quote here. This is a really good one. I would take a picture of this, by the way. One way to express the spiritual crisis of our time is to say that most of us have an address but cannot be found there. Is that a good quote? You know, like, we all have this feeling like, yeah, there is this place called home, but I'm not there. You know, we feel kind of like out on the edge somehow. At least, at least I do a lot of the time. Maybe some of you more evolved than I. But we kind of feel disjointed. So when we feel disjointed, we can oftentimes feel defensive, unsure, unsure of our language. Can I share a little joke with you guys? All right, so this is, this is a foodie joke. For those of you who like food and understand the difference between good fats and bad fats,
<laughs> I know about half the audience doesn't get a clue what that is, but that's a pretty funny joke, just so you know. And, and yet, when we, when we come to that piece of integrity, I, I think that kind of stuff goes away. You know, we really are able to understand each other much, much, much better. I think the theme that I want to look at today as we look at the first chapter of Ephesians is this. It's a pretty simple one. I'm going to have you say the two-handed word there. God is a... All right, I'm going to have you say that even louder this time. God is a... Two-handed giver. Did I say one-handed? No. (laughs) No. If your view of God is that he's giving you with one hand and he's holding the other back and he's either got a club in it or he's got a gift he's going to give you when you're finally good, you got the wrong view of God. If I could be so bold as to say that. (laughs) I think God is always and forever, always and forever a two-handed giver. In our particular Christian denomination, we don't even believe God can frown at us, much less in any way be angry. That God's forgiveness of us when we make mistakes is instant and forever. Now, that doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. That doesn't mean we, ha- we can't look at them. We are to look at our mistakes. That's called the work of repentance. We're to see where we've messed up. We're to see where we've come short. We're we're to see where we haven't been as loving as we could be, as merciful as we could be. But we do it, please listen carefully, but we do it so that we can receive the blessing with two hands. The blessing's always given with two hands. But I think for most of us in our lives, we receive it at best most of the time with one. We are largely one-handed receivers. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to come out in the audience with a microphone. And I don't want you to overthink this question. But God is giving us blessings all the time with two hands. And yet, if you're like me, on my best days, (laughs) I'm willing to receive one. What is it for you that keeps that other hand behind your back? unable to really pull it out to receive blessing and fullness. And you don't have to overthink it, all right? Just I'm looking for some kind of general answers, like what is it that keeps one hand behind your back and keeps you from being a two-handed receiver? Let me grab the mic. I'll be out and just raise your hand. Right, and our first answer here. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Like if, if God knew what that hand looked like, he would slap that sucker away. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> Lack of faith. Lack, you're stealing the punchline. <laughs> Lack of faith. Lack of trust. I'm so busy looking at what other people need. I don't even know what I need. <laughs> so good. All the mothers, please raise your hand. Right? We get so busy looking at other people's needs. And, and that's what Barbara was thinking about. That's where we're not only, we literally turn away because with two hands doing other things. You know? That's good. 
Cynicism and fear of letting go. Cynicism and fear. And cynicism and fear can get so much in the way and can really bollocks us up. Strings attached. Strings attached. And, and again, like that strings attached is so human, right? It's what we do. And yet, because it's what we do, we also think it's what God is doing too. Like, there's got to be a string attached here, God. Pride. 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 That, that hubris. Like, I think hell shows up two ways in our lives. It shows up in one way in terms of fear and anxiety. Like, if you're feeling anxious, you're feeling fearful, you can count on that being hell. But then there's also like this, this pride. It doesn't feel bad. <laughs> Emmanuel Swimmer would call that the pleasure of insanity, right? The pleasure of insanity. Just, it's insane, but we feel really, really good about it just being I, I, I. And if there's only one hand, then there's sacrifice. Yes. Oh, that idea of, of sacrifice. And folks, one of the things that I want you to think about with that word sacrifice, the word sacrifice means to make sacred. The word sacrifice means to make something sacred. I think that's really powerful. Give everyone a round of applause there, folks. I think some of these issues come down to something pretty simple. Lack of trust. I just don't trust. So I'm going to have one hand on my back all the time. I just don't trust. I don't trust God. I don't trust other people. I don't trust life. Maybe for some of you, the one thing you need to hear today, maybe the only thing you came here to hear, is this. God is for you. Say that again. God is for you. Beauty in that line. Because when I struggle with trust, when I struggle with trust, what do I try to do? Ready? You guys are all going to say it out loud. When I struggle with trust, what do I try to do? Control. Control. And control can take one of two ways. You know, as the band comes out, think about these forms of control. One form of control with me is I want to run it all, or I want to run away from it all. Because if I run away from it all, then I can say I had no control, which in a weird way of saying I need to have control. So when we come back, I want to talk about this. How do we find again that new address, that address home? How do we find ways to hold these issues around trust and control in a more healthy way? How do we learn to understand that again, God is offering a two-handed blessing? Our job is to overcome our fears and become two-handed receivers. And Ephesians starts to talk about ways we might just be able to do that. What a beautiful song. And, and you, you know, you, you think about folks, like, like put yourself in the position of this church in Ephesus. You know, what, what is it in the message that was speaking to them somehow? Why were they literally putting their lives on the line for this faith that was completely steeped in nonviolence? Where everybody kept on telling them as, as Christians, you know, that this is good news. 
that this is good news. Now, now it's interesting, you know, even that phrase, good news, right? Like, please raise your hand. Are you aware you are a flawed human being? Raise your hand if you're aware of that. <laughs> right? I hope all your hands. I can't see you, but I'm like Santa Claus. I'll know. So, so hopefully all your hands are raised. Like, we're all flawed, right? We can agree on that. That's not new news. <laughs> it's not new news. We all know it. So what's the good news? The good news is you're made in God's image and likeness. But underneath your lives, streaked with imperfections, anxiety, fear, anger, control issues, all that stuff, beats a heart of gold. Beats an angel. And that good news around that is, is, is miraculous in so many ways. And, and you think about people's lives then. We worry today about, you know, all the worries and concerns we have financially, all this stuff. Well, they're worries and concerns. I mean, I can only imagine what they were at that era. I'd imagine many times higher, more, more serious than what we could imagine. But somehow that trade-off was worth it for these people. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? So as we look at this book, as we look at this book of Ephesians, just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, I want to read to you folks just a couple of parts from this, from this book. And I'm just going to read you, you know, a number of sentences here just to give you the flavor of it. And again, this is Paul writing a couple thousand years ago. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things together in heaven and earth, together under one head, even Christ. Thanksgiving and prayer for this season. Ever since I heard about your faith in Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you and my prayers. This, this next line, folks, just close your eyes for this next sentence. I think it's ridiculously beautiful. I keep asking that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Listen to this line. Let this really sink in. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Read that one more time. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Beautiful lines there, beautiful sentiments about how life works and about a very different kind of view of God, about a a finding of a new address. And again, is it new or has it always been there? It's really always been there, but we get to discover it anew. And folks, think of it this way. 
do, do I have somebody really brave who can meet me right down here at the front of the stage? I just need one really brave soul. One really brave person. Can you just meet me right down here? Now, the two-handed blessing. D give Deke a round of applause, by the way, folks. Now, Deke, if, if I came up to you, right? Two hands, two hands. And I'm like, you are so blessed. I want to tell you how blessed you are. How would that work for you? It's a little creepy. A little creepy. It just, it wouldn't work, right? Right? It wouldn't work. It's kind of interesting, too, right? Like, how many of us, when somebody gives us a compliment, we want to kind of step back? Could, a lot of you do that, right? You can give me all the compliments you want. I won't step back. Don't worry. But, but you know, like, I, I actually do step back from that. It's kind of like, it's a little... It's a little too much, too much. Well, I want to look at these blessings that he talks about, but I want you to understand the spirit of them. And the spirit of them is this, two-handed giver, two-handed receiver, going, Deke, do you realize how blessed we are? And how does that feel? That feels great. That <laughs> feels great. Give Deke a round of applause, folks. So we, we, we see that, that you're going to see that kind of approach to blessing. And it's a slight difference. I mean, folks, and as I'm about to go over this, just imagine again a relationship you have that's strained. Picking up the person's hands. Telling them, I'm not going to creep you out. <laughs> and saying, do you realize how blessed we are? Do you realize how blessed we are? Take a look at these lines from Ephesians. Say the yellow there. Ready? Blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, again, like I want you to focus on the us. The beauty of the us there. It's blessing within the context of community. This is not just about building up self-esteem, though there's nothing wrong with having that sense of self. In the new church, we believe an appropriate love of self is the foundation of the building. In other words, self-loathing gets you nowhere. Self-confidence, you can build on that. But, it, but it's shifting the perspective because it doesn't just leave it there. No, it's about understanding, yeah, we are blessed. And we're not just blessed. And again, this, these are people who are being persecuted. Just imagine how this would sound. Like, we are not, I'm not worried if somebody going to kill me after church. Or will the, Romans found out that, will the Romans find out that I was preaching today? But they were. And here it's saying, like, you're blessed. And you're blessed with, please say the E word there. You're blessed with, with every, with every blessing. Folks, think of revolutionary, how crazy that is. You're blessed with every blessing. And, and these would have been people who are just Joe Bag of Donuts kind of people. And they're being told they're not only blessed as a community, but they're being given every blessing. Two hands. Two hands. Say the next two words for me there, folks. Chose us before the creation of the world. Silly beautiful. 
And, and I think what God does again and again is he says, look, you're a chosen. I want you to feel like you are a chosen person. You are special. And the communities you live in, they are chosen communities. Now, your job is to go out and make other people feel chosen too. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> make other people feel chosen too. Take that chosenness and allow it to ripple out into the world. Chose us before the creation of the world. All right, big mouth on the last one. Ready? You guys, you guys did that one the best. So predestined us. Predestined us. Like, New Church holds it this way. You are predestined to heaven. You have to fight that destiny to not end up there. I mean, think about that. Like your life is arrayed in such a way to get to heaven, and it's getting to heaven, yes, then and there, but it's also getting to heaven here and now. Predestined us to be adopted sons and daughters. Adopted sons and daughters. A brotherhood, a sisterhood. You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again because I know we have a couple of first-time people and I want you to hear this. When Jesus uses the word Father, Father in heaven or our Father in the, in the Lord's Prayer, you know what that word Father actually translates in, into Aramaic? Someone who probably knows. Daddy. Isn't that interesting? Daddy. It was a colloquial term. It was a term of endearment. And you can see how Christ's words fit right with this with Paul, that we're predestined to be adopted sons and daughter, that, that this is what God is wanting for us. This is, this is the relationship that he yearns to have with us. Beautiful stuff. And so what does this mean, folks? I think where is, where is Paul trying to, trying to push us towards and finding that new address? I think he's trying to say it this way. Our spiritual identity is not the identity we create. It's not the identity we create. Woody Allen, just a little aside, said a funny little joke. He said, you know, my, my only regret in life is that I'm not someone else. <laughs> if, if that's your only regret, you're missing. Because <laughs> I think there's something much more beautiful and true. Our spiritual identity is not the identity we create, but the identity, and you could say, discover or uncover. One of the two. It's already there, has been from all time, has been from before you were born. And I want to honor that there is this wrestling match. Like, how can I be a two-handed receiver? I get that God is a two-handed giver. How can I be a two-handed receiver? And I think we actually have to learn to be. This is a little bit of an aside. I think we need to learn to be because I think it's like being a trapeze artist. I know that's a little bit far-fetched, but just follow me for a second. So tra trapeze artist, I was watching a little silly show on it, and only one of the people does the catching. The other one has to hold their hands completely still so that when the other one lets go of their bars that they, psh, that they know how to grab. So you don't end up, you know how when you're in the shopping, when you're in an aisle and you're not sure where they go, the left and the right, and each of you does, you don't want to do that on the trapeze. 
You want to know you can catch those hands. You want to know you can catch those hands. You want to know you can trust those hands. You want to be caught. But there is this wrestling match. Two hands, one hand. Two hands, one hand. And I want to show you a video, and I just want you to look, and as you're going through it, like mentally go through, oh, there's a two-handed receiver. Oh, that person's just got one. That person's got maybe 0.5. So take a look at this video, and just notice again, and think about it for yourself. Two-handed receiving or one. Take a look at this video. We are doing a small university project where we have to take a picture of something that we find beautiful. Okay. <laughs> and obviously we find you beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> so we're actually making a project and we have to take pictures of things that we find beautiful. <laughs> okay. Picture of something that we find beautiful. Okay. okay. Picture of things that we find that are beautiful. Of something that we find beautiful. Okay. Picture of things that we find beautiful. Yeah. So you. Oh, you think? Yes. Picture of something that we find beautiful. Okay. Pictures mm-hmm. of things that we find beautiful. Not me then. <laughs> you are beautiful. I don't know what it is. The picture of something that we find beautiful. Okay. Sure. Are you taking a picture now? Yeah. Of things that we find beautiful. Oh, <laughs> my smile or me. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Picture of something that we find beautiful. That's pretty beautiful. I don't know about me. The Australians are making rough down under. We are taking pictures of things that we find beautiful. Okay. Pictures of things that we find beautiful. Aww. <laughs> You are beautiful. Thank you. And we are going to take a picture of something that we find beautiful. Something that we find beautiful. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Things that we find beautiful. Okay. Things that look beautiful. Things that we find beautiful. Which is the case of things that we find beautiful. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Of things that we find beautiful. So we're finding you beautiful. Find beautiful. Find beautiful. Okay. So that's you today. Find beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful, okay? So in your case. Beautiful. Okay, okay. So you are beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. And what do you find here? Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. 
<laughs> beautiful. Uh -huh. Which you are beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Beautiful. Okay. Which is the case? <laughs> beautiful. Okay. Which is the case with you today? Oh, wow. You guys need your eyes checked. Beautiful. Okay, thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> Which is you, right? Okay. <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I find you beautiful also. Is that a powerful video or what? You folks can see, can, could you see the wrestling there? Right? Like some people so much couldn't receive it with one hand. They're like, look at that picture over there, over there, right? But you are beautiful. We are beautiful. And what are we going to do with it? How are we going to allow that to move through us? Not stop with us. Not become like a, a pile of good feelings, but, but just become this, this spirit that moves through us. Chosenness that moves out to chosenness that moves out to chosenness. I really do believe, folks, that part of that receiving with two hands really receiving with two hands. And it is hard work. Really receiving with two hands, what does it do? Was Ephesians said, it's to bring all things in heaven and earth together. Heaven and earth together. The giving and receiving together, the understanding, as New Church puts it, about what the very essence of love is. This next slide, the very essence of love. The essence of love is loving others who are outside ourselves. Wanting to be one with them and blessing them. Life then becoming fully sacramental. This part is hard for me to get words to. Because I feel like if we do the work to really be two-handed receivers of God's two-handed giving, that some of what we receive will start to move through us. And we may well find challenges on that way. It's not like if we're a two-handed receiver that all of a sudden everything, all problems go away. I don't think that's what's true. I think Martin Luther King was a two-handed receiver. I think Mother Teresa was a two-handed receiver. I think those people right now working to save those little precious boys in that cave are two-handed receivers. Because once we do that, God starts to flow and the call starts to happen and we start to move and life becomes incredible. I love 
the last words of a beloved parishioner who passed several years ago. And, and, you know, he's thinking back to his life. And this man was clearly a two-handed receiver. And he became a two-handed giver through that. And the last time I saw him in this life, we were visiting. And then his last words to me were these. It is all so beautiful. George Gray. It's all so beautiful. So let's work this week. Visualizing our lives like this next picture. Visualizing our lives even though we're in this very infant state. Being able to put our hands in God. To be able to trust the blessing. That you are beautiful. That we are beautiful. Trust what comes from that place. Move, live, breathe from there. And find that blessing. Amen. I'm now going to close the service with a prayer. After I say the prayer, you're welcome to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. To have a moment of quiet reflection or to say your own silent prayer as you move into the week. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, allow this letter, thousands of years old, to speak to us. And in doing so, to allow you and your grace and your glory and your love to move through us. Allow us, Lord, to become deeply aware of your two-handed giving, even in times, Lord, that are so incredibly challenging and heartbreaking. Allow us to just feel that blessing there. And Lord, maybe at that point, it's just the feeling of someone who is helping us to just hold on for today. And let that be enough. And for others... Allow those blessings offered with both hands to become blessings we receive. And most importantly, most critically, blessings we pass on to others. Beautiful, Lord. Thank you for the beautiful faces in this congregation. Thank you for the beautiful souls gathered here and gathered online. Thank you for the beautiful world that you have created. Thank you simply for beauty. Be with us this week. Help us to discover, uncover our true home, which is always and forever in you. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 